0: It's like you put a spotlight on my eyes, you know, like a deer in the road, and we just freeze. Like, it's not like we're trying to hide. It's not like we're trying to not know ourselves. But our whole life as children and growing up was to take in everyone else's agenda and their preferences and their desires and to flood ourselves out. This is a show about self-discovery.
1: About understanding
0: ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown. Of who we are. This is about how we relate to God and everyone else. From Love Thy Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the ENIACast. <laughs>
2: Welcome to the EnneaCast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam (laughs) Stevenson. And we're whispering because today we're doing the nines, the peaceful person. Yeah, and we don't
1: want to startle them or to stir them too much to cause any conflict. We actually want to put them to sleep,
2: so you're welcome. (laughs) We're just going to soothe you to sleep. Okay, so let's talk about thanks, thanks the, nines. the nines. Okay, we're still making our way through the guts triad. We just made our way past the eight, much to the relief of many of the nines. <laughs> and now we are into the nine, the peaceful person. When I think of a healthy nine, this is what comes to mind. I spent nine years working at a homeless shelter here in Louisville. And you'll get folks that will come in and either they've like had too much to drink or they're high at the time or they have significant mental health issues. And I remember that when I first started there, I would like try to play like the power card. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm the one in charge. And so I would go to them and I would be like. You need to leave, and I'd be like really stern, and it would go terrible. <laughs> like yeah. every time, it would just go so, like, sure, 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 so bad. Yeah, because all they would do is that they would then push back against me, and they were half the time they were stronger than me. And then they start taking, you know, guys are taking their shirts off because, and that's the sign like I want to punch you, and I don't want to get blood on my shirt. And so then I'm running away and calling <laughs> the cops. And so um, then we hired a guy who was a nine, and he came on a staff. This guy knew how to de-escalate these situations better than anybody else I know. So somebody would be like in a rage, just going off, cussing everybody out. And the nine would walk in the room and he'd be like, hey, Mr. Thompson, (laughs) how you doing? And then they would talk to him like, you know what's going on here? And they would start barking at him. Mm -hmm. And this nine would just slowly be like, I understand. Come on, let's go talk about it. Come talk to me about it. Come on, let's come on over here. Yeah. And he would slowly, and I realized one day he was leading them slowly out of the building, and he was just affirming them the whole way. <laughs> and then, and then he'd lead him out the door.
0: He was like, all right. And then when they see- were out the door,
2: he'd be like, listen, man, you you can't come back in for a week. And the other guy was like so thankful because he was so nice to them that the guy that was intoxicated would thank him and say, I'll see you in a week. And I was like, that is the power of a healthy nine right there. That's awesome. Yeah, that's like, that's goals. Yeah. goals. Well, no, no (laughs) lie. That became the way that I dealt with conflict from then forward. I would walk into the situation and I would try to emulate a nine, which is not how I am wired. I'm wired to be like emotionally reactive and to walk into a situation and just have that like, thoughtful peaceful presence of a 9 mm-hmm. man in a situation like that that paid off in dividends uh so the 9 is commonly known as the peacemaker sam what are some of the other nicknames for the 9 the best type on the enneagram that is not even <laughs> these are in, in my your notes book. yep uh-huh.
1: the healer the optimist the reconciler the comforter the utopian and unfortunately this last one just says nobody's special oh gosh that's <laughs> but i think it's like Okay. Like, I think that there's a sense that nines, that's just the posture that they take. They're like, yeah, it's just no, like, I'm just one of many. Well, this is true.
2: Nines don't like to stick out. Yeah. Nines really enjoy being sort of either second in charge or being under, you know, Mm -hmm. someone else's leadership. And so I don't think that nines typically have this desire, you know, I want to go out on the middle of the stage. I want all the attention on me. Yeah. Um, they love to to work in support of They love of to be on else. teams
1: and in the background. Yes. So yeah, I don't think that
2: it was like the authors of this book
1: saying nines are no one special. I think it's more of just like the posture of like, yeah, I'm I'm just here, you know, I'm here to do whatever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the resourceful traits of the nine. These folks are reconcilers. They are very oriented around bringing people to a place of reconciling with one another. And to help achieve that, these folks are oftentimes, they are mediators of creative compromise. Uh, They're diplomatic. Uh, They are able to find very fascinating and intriguing ways for two parties that seem like they're not going to come to a place of resolution to get them to a place where these two parties can see a way forward with one another. A, a resourceful nine is receptive. Uh, instead of being reactive, they're receptive. They're able to receive from other people uh, the counsel, the wisdom that's being given to them. And they're not just nodding their heads sort of in agreement, but that there's an actual receptivity. They're thinking.
1: Yeah, they can see the perspective. Like yeah. They're, they're taking the other person's point of view in and hearing everything that they're saying and how their body language is. And they're trying to really get inside the other person's shoes. And so, they, yeah, they're able to receive
2: their friends and their their coworkers really easily and really well. Uh, these folks are also they're non-judgmental. Like I, I love nines. I mean, I do. I feel like I could be like on the way to the studio today, and I could be like, Sam, the worst thing happened. Like I hit a kitten on the way here, and you would be like. It's okay, Jesse. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Because I just feel like nines, like you can just tell them crazy things and they're just not going to judge you. Like they're going to accept you for where you are. I would be
1: sad. Like, don't get, like, I wouldn't be like, oh, darn. Like, you know, there would be a, but I wouldn't think, like, oh, Jesse's a terrible I did driver. not hit a cat. Yeah. I did not yeah, hit yeah. a cat.
2: Uh, these folks are comfortable. Uh, in fact, it's pretty funny. You know, if you're around nines long enough, you'll notice like a lot of nines, like, They'll take off their shoes, you know, like in the middle of, you know, an office or something. You know, they're just they're comfortable. their mm-hmm. Their disposition is comfortable. They're comfortable, you know. However, they're seated in, you know, some chair. They just have this like laid back kind of. Yeah, feel. I will say
1: that. Um, like different personality types prefer different
2: things, but for me, I'm just like, what's gonna like?
1: How can I take the best nap today? You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then finally, these folks are. Uh, they're both diplomatic. And they're patient. They're very, very patient. They're they're comfortable with things taking a while, people taking a while, processes taking a while. So that is the nine when they are resourceful. So Sam, tell me a little bit about what the nine is like when they become non-resourceful.
1: They crave comfort over confrontation. So they're always going to prefer to, to make the piece and keep the peace by any means necessary. So they prefer peace at any price. And so they avoid conflict. They become indecisive. They're really easily overwhelmed. Um, They procrastinate. They put off decisions. They focus on non-essential tasks when there are things that are right in front of them that have more time-sensitive things to them, time-sensitive deadlines. Um, They can also become passive-aggressive and self-belittling and um, just oblivious and numb to the world and to the emotions around, around them.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I have definitely noticed that there's that tendency, you know, with folks that have a lot of nine that like if you give them the one primary thing that y- that needs to get done, they'll do like all the other tasks around it except for the main one.
1: Yeah, because those are all important, too. Like it's really hard. I think for nines, like it's hard for us to see priorities. Everything is always like a level playing field. So it's really hard for somebody to just to, to recognize like, oh, that's number one. This is number two, number three. They all feel like priority number one. And I think because nines just see the world as interconnected. So this help, helps play into this and this will help serve this later. So I need to really start here. And also it's just a form of procrastination and to avoid showing up and actually exerting your energy to, to get the main thing done. So it's like, yeah. I I still want to feel productive. And so I'll lie to myself by doing this non-essential task and because technically it needed to be done, you know, might as well. Oh my well. gosh. What
2: were you ranting about the other day about podcasts? What were you saying about oh Oh, so
1: um the typology podcast, they always say, Ian Cron. He says that uh, nines are the most likely to listen to his show. And he asks the nines that come on, like, why do you think that is? And all of them give really diplomatic answers. Like, you know, I think nines just really uh, like hearing other people's stories. And it really helps them get into their shoes of, like, you know, understanding why do people work and how do they think? How do they talk? And I think that's true. That's why I listen to podcasts. But also... Podcasts trick you into feeling like you're more productive than you're actually being. You just sit and listen to other people talk about things. And so I think it's also a super way to like actually the actual physical process of listening to a podcast is a numbing co- like a mechanism that nines use to just like zone out to the people around them. And get back into their heads where they can just think about thinking and thinking about people. So that's my that's my stake in the in the ground. That's what I'm going to say. Why all of our stats show that all
2: the nines just turned off. This I know. Podcast come back. Right come now. back.
1: I'm sorry. I can. I'm a nine, so I can say that. I that's think that right. they're. they're like, I didn't say
2: it. I'm not a nine. I can't say those. Yeah. Thoughts.
1: So I think that I've earned some respect. Hopefully, far with the other <laughs> nines listening.
2: Well, for every person I type, there's a wake-up call, a moment at which you're being invited to, uh, to turn this thing around, to head a different direction. And for the nines, the wake-up call for the nine is when you become outwardly accommodating, uh, yourself to other people. In other words, instead of having your own convictions, your own priorities, you just constantly mold and adapt to whatever the priorities and the agendas are of other people. And you're taking no sort of autonomous, um, conviction for your Mm -hmm. own life. It's just, you're letting other people live your life for you. And you're constantly accommodating other people's agendas. So uh, so every personality type has a deadly sin that they struggle with. Of course, nines are in the gut triad, so their struggle is with guilt, with exaggerated guilt. Eventually, that guilt gives birth for nines to the deadly sin of laziness. Now, that can sound a little confusing to folks when they hear it because some nines are not just, hey, I'm lazy, like I sleep in late or I like to watch a lot of TV. Some nines actually can look like workaholics. It's a laziness of internally showing up and being relationally present to the realities going on inside of you as well as the realities of going on inside of other people. Uh, It's the ability just to show up wholeheartedly for the life and the experience that you're having. And this can get fostered through excessive TV, excessive media, excessive food or drink. But on the other hand, I know some nines, you know, they got that eight wing that are actually they're on the workaholic side um, where the way that they're fostering laziness is by working all the time instead of being at home with their families. Yeah, and
1: procrastinating on like side projects and things that I've been meaning to get to. It's like, well, what happened in that morning? Like, didn't you have a conflict with somebody that you were talking to? Like, maybe you should go tend to that.
2: Yep. Uh, they can also uh, cultivate this laziness by just, as Sam has just said, avoiding conflict instead of seeing conflict as a good and valuable thing that's, you know, iron sharpens iron. It's a it's a beneficial thing. Uh, they tend to avoid conflict. Uh, they cultivate it as well by things like joining a group, but then like never attending the group. But it's like, yeah, I'm a member of that group. Oh, but you, like you never go to the group. Yeah, it's like a false sense
1: of uh, like participation. Like, oh yeah, I do that. Like, no, do you? Like, yeah. where yeah. are you?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And then also even things like, honestly, things like boring jobs. You know, there are times where nines don't want the responsibilities of leadership. Mm -hmm. And so they opt for uh, for jobs that, frankly, they're boring. And half the time, they're really beneath the skill set of the nine. But the nine chooses it because they would just rather not deal with the issues that come with uh, with leading.
1: Yeah, I think for nines, it's they are naturally the most content, the most open handed. But contentment can really slide into complacency really quickly. So it's, yeah, nine can just settle in and
2: not show up anymore. So every personality type has a way that they psychologically defend themselves. So Sam, how does the nine defend themselves?
1: It's through a process called numbing and uh, narcotization. So they just numb out their own feelings, wants and preferences, like we've been talking about before. They either do this through some sort of um, substance abuse or consuming a lot of media and TV or spending time, you know, wandering and meandering around shopping or traveling or something like that. But they also just withdraw from stressful situations, and um, they because they just feel overwhelmed, and so they hope that. If they avoid it long enough, that it'll just go away on its own. And so that process for them, they just try to to fade back into the background to hope that the storm will subside without them having to actually show up and get in the ring.
2: Yeah, the two images that come to mind for me when I think of uh, the way that nines defend themselves, the first one is that of an ostrich, you know. All this crazy, terrible stuff is happening, Ostrich. you know, and then, you know, the the nine just like sticks their head in the ground. I was like, hope it all goes away. This is where I live now. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so the rest of us are going like, what's your plan? And it's like, it'll probably be fine. The other image that comes to mind is that of a sleepwalker. You know, if you ever encounter somebody who's sleepwalking, like- They're kind of half awake and half asleep. They're like half present, but half gone. Mm. And I think that that is oftentimes a great depiction of what goes on for the nine internally. Well, the idol of the nine is harmony. And every idol requires sacrifices. And harmony requires the, the nine to sacrifice their opinions, their desires, their feelings and their convictions because Harmony says you need to accommodate to all the agendas of the people around you and there's no room for you to have your own personal feelings and convictions about things. Uh, Harmony also requires you to sacrifice your belief that you matter and that you can make a difference. And Nines, I just want to take this moment to say you do matter. You make a huge difference in the lives of the people around you especially when you show up with your presence, you make a big difference. So don't believe the lie that your presence doesn't matter because it does. And then finally, uh, the idol of harmony requires uh, sacrificing growth that comes from conflict. Now, here's the thing that's fascinating to me about nines. Most nines that I know love great stories, like love like, stories yeah, that right. have like, tons of you know, conflict in them. And, uh, and we know at, at, on, a, on a storytelling level... If you want to change a character in a story, you put them through conflict. Mm. That's how a character is changed.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting that um all of my I was thinking about it, like I was thinking like, you know, when I was in Love the Neighborhood, we were like, What are your favorite movies? And so I was naming off like the movies that I like and they all have a central theme of the main character, something happening to them that sent them on a journey. Yes. but at the end of the story is finding out that the thing that they we're looking for was within them all along like yeah it's so interesting that for for a nine we really live vicariously through the stories that we see because it's hard and they we identify with with those characters a lot of male
2: nines I know you know love things like Lord of the Rings you know which is essentially the story of somebody who feels like they're nobody and their presence doesn't matter and they end up becoming the one that saves everybody yeah I heard that Harry Potter's a nine
1: too which I haven't
2: like well not same theme I'm not in like
1: deep Harry Potter culture
2: but I could totally get it like yeah he was the the guy that had the
1: thing within him but he was Just like, what do I? So, at a deep
2: level, nines know conflict is good and necessary, and they have to go on a journey of beginning to value conflict um, as a necessary and good and essential part of what it is to be alive and to be in relationships. So, God knows that the nine is struggling with the issue of guilt. God knows that their that their deadly sin is the issue of laziness. He responds to that guilt with his forgiveness. And he then invites the nine to what transformative virtue?
1: It's the virtue of exertion. So it's the idea of getting up, getting in the ring, putting yourself out there more and more. I think, you know, for me, I really like the verses that are like, be still and the Lord will fight for you. I don't think that that's what the Lord is asking nines to do. I think that he's telling them like, like, my strength will carry you like my power is made perfect in your weakness. But he the Lord is asking us to get in And to show up and resolve our own feelings of anger and instead of trying to appease everyone, to be able to own and acknowledge our own opinions and beliefs and desires and um, to achieve harmony, not through accommodation, but through uh, speaking my piece and adding my note to the grand symphony of what we're talking about, you know, not rocking the boat, but actually taking ownership of where we're going.
2: I I love the I think the word exertion is perfect for the nines. I think like, you know, if there's some kind of cool tattoo that nines can go get that says exertion, like go get that <laughs> tattoo. Yeah. Um, be- because I do, I think it's about nines getting up and going, I'm going to go exert myself today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show up and I want to go home with that sense of I really showed up with my full self today. Okay. So when we come back, we will be talking with one of our very favorite Enneagram coaches, Beth McCord. Stay with us. Okay, so Sam, there was this recent study that came out that said three out of five college students do not have a job lined up when they graduate from college. That's terrifying. So that's 60% of people that will not have a job once they graduate. At the same time... There's all these amazing nonprofit ministries that are dramatically understaffed. Like, they just do not have enough people to do all the amazing work that they want to do. Man, so
1: with both of these
2: problems, what do we do? Okay, so we took both of those problems, and we came up with an idea. And the idea was Love Thy Neighborhood. So with Love That Neighborhood, we give young adults the real world experience that they need. They're gonna get the professional experience by being on the front lines of urban ministry and meet different people in fields that they are passionate about. But at the same time, all of these nonprofits are gonna be able to do twice as much as they could before because they're gonna have all of these wonderful reinforcements.
1: Wow, that sounds like a
2: great ministry. How would someone find out more? So they would head over to lovethyneighborhood.org and they can check out all the different causes that we support. When they go to apply, they get to choose a handful of those causes and then we'll pair them up with a nonprofit ministry that they love and give them the real world experience that they need. So again, all they have to do is head over to lovethyneighborhood.org and they can apply now. All right, welcome back to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. I'm Sam Stevenson. And we are so excited because our guest today is Beth McCord. Uh, Beth has been an Enneagram speaker, coach, and teacher For over 15 years, she's the founder of Your Enneagram Coach, where she provides a variety of excellent resources exploring the intersection of the Enneagram and the gospel. So, Beth, one of the things that made us eager to have you on today is just your ability to create such clear and specific connections between the Enneagram and the gospel uh when I when I teach workshops I I reference your material all the time so I'm just really excited for you guys, for you to be with us today.
0: Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. I appreciate that.
2: Okay, so you you've just heard uh our overview of your type You know, what what resonates with you?
0: Yeah. You know, I remember you were talking um, about anger um, and how that plays out. And it is really interesting because I would say that most nines that resonate either strongly just as a nine, they don't use their wings a whole lot or they use more of a one wing. They definitely don't feel their sense of anger Whereas I do, Um, and so I find that very interesting, but I feel very threatened by it as well. But nines usually will talk about it as I'm frustrated, I'm irritable, um, maybe I'm upset. But the word anger, it almost feels like there's dynamite underneath the floor, and please don't set it off Um, because I don't know the destruction that it you know might ensue, Um, and that's kind of what it feels like. So that's why we get more passive aggressive because we're trying to give people a warning that please don't ignite this because I really don't know what's going to happen. But we don't know how to be direct because we're so afraid of conflict that if we're direct, that might make someone else upset, which will this whole cascade of problems for the nine will start ensuing. So we're hoping that people will take our cues so that they will back off or approach it differently so that our the tension inside kind of um, calms down. So we're not at that place of, oh, my goodness, I'm about ready to explode.
1: Yeah, that's so I feel like anytime I've heard a nine kind of speak about their anger, like if they've done the Enneagram, and they're aware of their anger, it's always like you're saying, like, there's there's a sense of fear that comes with it. Like, I don't know what I'm capable of or I'm afraid, yeah. yeah, there's, and it's, do you think that it's legitimate? Do you think that there is some sort of like relational falling out or is it just there? They don't have a good view of themselves in relationship to other people. Like I have friends that are eights who will tell me like, I love when angry Sam shows up like that, like this, like feisty Sam or like whatever, like that, that's a kind of a gift to other people. But for me, that feels like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like I kind of need to apologize whenever I speak a little more forcefully, you know, there's this sense of like, I don't, that's not the role that I'm playing here.
0: So do you think that it's a legitimate fear that that some nines can carry or is it more perceived? I think it can be a legitimate fear. I think it's both actually. So I think that when we are trying to avoid it and not work with it and be honest with it, then it can become something that we don't want it to be. Um, because mm-hmm. it's kind of like, having a samurai sword, you know, it's like you're wielding this thing and you're not controlling it. And so it, it really can be dangerous. Um, now again, they're going to suppress it for so long that, I mean, either a nine is going to suppress it so much that they literally numb out. And, you just don't ever see it Um, and they just kind of become almost catatonic or they will explode at some point and it is going to have repercussions. But if the nine recognizes that anger, especially righteous anger, can be used rightly, just like Christ did in the temple, it doesn't mean that we have to go around flipping tables or anything, but we can speak up and say our piece and say what needs to be said in a more direct manner. And that's an important thing, I think, for us to recognize that we have the ability to say stuff that's really difficult with a lot of tack and with a lot of awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we're able to step into that space, I think we can bring some phenomenal insight and directness um, that can help everyone.
2: Well, and, and what you're getting at, you know, is sort of one of the questions that I had because you're talking about this insight. And part of that insight is the nine's ability just to see things from so many different points of view. And, and then the ability to, to mm-hmm. really bring harmony to people in conflict. So, I mean, how, how do you see nines lean into this gift?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes me sad for the nines, but really for everyone that the nines don't show up in the way that they really should. Because we can see all viewpoints and we know how to speak to each person with a sense of either tact or peace or calm or directness. I mean, whatever that person's needing, we can Actually, kind of be a, a vessel or a conduit for the message to that person. We easily can shapeshipped and not in a false way, but more of a, I know what you need. Let me bring this to you. But because the nine doesn't think much of themselves and they think their voice doesn't matter, their presence doesn't matter. They tend to not show up and do this. And so really we are hurting not only ourselves with that thought process, but we're hurting the world by not bringing whatever message it is or whatever gift it is to the world in a way that helps everyone because we really just know how to do that. So that's why I'm always encouraging nine. Like you, you really don't understand how significant you really are to the world. You have to show up. The world needs you to show up. And the nines can do that if they're willing to see the gift that they have.
2: Beth, can you describe for us more in detail the deadly sin for the nine? And then, you know, specifically, you know, do you have a time that you've seen your own sort of non-resourceful stuff or deadly sin, you know, have some consequences in your life?
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's see. How long is the show? (laughs) Um, So yeah, sloth is um, ever present and always crouching at the door for sure. And it's not so much, you know, I also call call it in my um, coaching core weakness, because I really see it as kind of like um, the thorn in the side of Paul, that we each have this thorn, this weakness that We so desperately want the Lord to relieve from us, and yet He does relieve it at different points, um, at different degrees, but it's always there. And it's there for us to realize that we are weak, but He is strong, and His grace is sufficient for us. And so if you were to ask me, okay, name off your five greatest passions, I mean, I literally would draw a blank. And I know you guys were talking about that earlier, and it's this... It's like you put a spotlight on my eyes, you know, like a deer in the road and we just freeze. Like, it's not like we're trying to hide. It's not like we're trying to not know ourselves, but our whole life as children and growing up was to take in everyone else's agenda and their preferences and their desires and to flood ourselves out. So we have to do the work of rebuilding our own awareness of ourselves. Like, what do I like? What do I want? So I always tell people, watch Runaway Bride with Julia Roberts. (laughs) And at the end of the movie, you'll see a nine trying to just simply figure out what type of eggs she likes to eat, scrambled, poached, over easy. I mean, you would think this is pretty simple, but that's what the struggle is for the nine, because we've gone along with everyone else just to have peace and connect. It's really about connection. Ultimately, it's about connection. And we're so afraid of losing connection with others. We would rather just go along because others have shown us that, or at least in our mind, we're thinking, okay, I can easily merge with you and go along with your wishes and stay connected. But if I do what I want to do and I figure it out, you're not going to be a good little nine and follow me and therefore there's going to be a disconnect that i literally can't handle and so i would forfeit myself in order to keep the connection and so the the struggle with the 9 at least for me even like in my relationship with my husband who we've been married 23 years we're best friends is the struggle of how do i find myself and be myself and allow him to be himself. So there is, in some sense, a disconnect, right? There is some sort of space between us, instead of merging and being codependent. But the nine that feels very threatening. And so I have to constantly, constantly, and I mean that for real, do my own work and saying, okay, this is what the Lord has in store for me, he will keep that relationship intact. I just need to follow him, you know, and, but instantly it doesn't take long for that sloth to creep up and for me to kind of numb out or not really have an answer or know what I want because of the fear of that disconnect. So it's really about disconnection.
1: Yeah. I would say that I, that resonates. Eventually my preferences are going to kick in because I have desires and desires are good. And I think nines, like you're saying, it was just washed out of us somewhere along the way. So the journey is, is making that decision of Actually, I think I like this kind of egg. Or actually, I think I don't like that color on the walls. And and I'm I'm gonna be confident about that.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, for me, it's always about did I make you happy? You know, because the nine, the internal message that we'll have, like we all have record players, and we have, you know, obviously true messages and false messages. And one of the false messages is if. Um, if everyone else around me is good and okay, then I can be good and okay. Well, as we all know, if you have kids or a family or whatever, or you're a teacher of a classroom or a co-worker, no one's ever good and okay. And so the nine's striving so hard to be whatever you need them to be so that you'd be happy. Therefore they'll finally be okay and have peace. And that's just not That's not reality. And so, um, so yeah, I'm constantly feeling like I didn't measure up. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And again, it may have not Mm -hmm. ever been said or thought of by the other person, but just simply by them not being happy to the degree that I feel would be awesome. I feel that I've not measured up or I haven't done something right. And so, yeah, that that's a false guilt for sure.
2: Well, so everything you guys are sharing, you know, points back to this idea of that it can be really hard for nines to sort of cultivate their own convictions and their own decisions because they're so concerned, you know, with the needs of other people and the peace uh, in the relationship and so forth. So the question, you know, is how how can nines cultivate their own opinions and convictions?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's the going to be the the forever kind of struggle. I mean, I don't I don't think that it a nine should walk around going, "Oh, I'm going to finally arrive," you know, because there's <laughs> there's always new preferences and likes and questions and opinions that we could have. Um so I think it's going to always be something that we're going to struggle with. It's kind of where our muscles have atrophied. And so by taking the time to really work on our likes and our preferences, like, you know, using those muscles, even on the little things like, you know, someone says, Hey, let's go out to dinner. Where do you want to go? Like stopping yourself and saying, Hey, wait, this is an opportunity for me to say what I want and to realize that I'm not going to lose the relationships that are so dear to me if I just pick Chinese today. And even if someone says they don't like Chinese, that doesn't mean I did something wrong or bad, or we're going to lose connection. That I did a great job by saying something. So, it can be in the little things and then working ourselves up into some of the bigger things will be really helpful.
2: That's awesome. Well, let's let's talk for a second then about about anger. You know, everything you guys are sharing says, you know, it helps me understand why anger is it can be challenging for mm-hmm. for nines, you know. Beth, you were talking that anger is a little bit easier for for you to access. But, you know, some some nines just really struggle to take ownership of the fact that they are angry. Yeah. Uh, why is it important? Why is it important for nines to come to terms with their anger?
0: In general, everyone kind of puts anger under the umbrella of wrong and bad, just it, it in, a, in of itself. But if we just like all of the types, they have their things that aren't good, but it's just like everything it can be neutral. So for instance, it's dependent on how a person uses it. It can be a really good thing because nines are up in the gut triad and we have a sense of we get angry with injustice and the injustice that we get frustrated with is when we see that others are being put down, they're not considered, they don't have a place at the table, they're being judged, they're being pushed aside. All of those things will really upset us. Now, whether we say something or not is the piece that I think we need to work on. I think the nine can speak in a way that's still true to themselves, but Allows others to see a different point of view that maybe they had never tried before. So, again, that's anger but it's just not the anger that we all kind of associate with. And so if you look at Christ as an example, you know, even at the temple, he didn't walk around all the time, like just happy go lucky. There were things that really upset him and should upset him. Now, what we do with that is I think a point of contention for nines.
2: I heard somebody um, say once that it's almost an unfair question to ask a nine, how do you feel?
0: Because Mm, it's
2: really not a, a question that they can really answer. But a nine told me that, You know, one day he realized that if he literally just looked at his body, that his body was telling him what he felt. (laughs) His body was telling him what he felt far before his brain or his heart could communicate those things uh, to him. Does that resonate with either of you
0: all?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I
1: didn't notice it. I didn't have the awareness of it. But once you kind of started alluding to that, I was like, oh, I looked down and I was like, my, you know, my shoulders were like pressed up against the chair. And I felt like very, you know, like
0: exposed and vulnerable. And I was like, oh, yep, that's it. Yeah, I would say definitely the body, especially being in the gut center or the body center, definitely speaks to me. But the nines, we so often ignore it because it's uncomfortable. And nines are comfort junkies. And so why would I want to feel this or think about it? Like, it's just and we do we get overwhelm really easily, And I know that frustrates some other types, like, well, why can't you just deal with it or process it? Um, but the overwhelm starts to, to kind of push us into what our defense mechanism is, which is either disassociation or narcotization. So we'll... Uh, start to shut down. And so for me, I feel like I need to do the work of really being present and awake to my body. But sometimes I literally will tell my husband, look, I just need you to realize, like, let's say we're talking about like when we were trying to get our son ready to go off to college and all the things you have to do it was so overwhelming to me. Like, what if I miss something? You know, like he's not going to go to college. And so I get overwhelmed. And when that happens, my body can really just start to shut down, even if I don't want it to. And so by recognizing that and just naming it and saying, hey, I really want to be here and talk about this, but it's just not happening. um, That just gives everyone, you know, a heads up. At the same time, there are times when I need to push through the best I can. And so recognizing what my body is telling me really is helpful. But I will say the tension inside is so real and it's so uncomfortable. And so we, what we want to do is like, well, if I remove myself, if I withdraw, just like a two-liter pop, if I... If it fell on the ground, you pick it up and you just set it on the counter. Eventually, that's going to kind of somewhat settle down over time. Um, But that doesn't help anyone because you can't use it. At the same time, if you just open it right away, it will explode. And so the nine has to learn techniques and ways to open it slightly and close it, open it slightly and close it when the tension starts, not when it's like full force so that we can get that pressure and that tension out more appropriately so it doesn't explode or we don't withdraw.
2: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, when we come back, I get to live out, you know, the sick fantasy of turning oh two God. nines against each other <laughs> in a game. Mad. So I'm about to bring some conflict oh into the room. No. So yes. uh, hopefully, fight, both, fight. hopefully <laughs> both the nines actually stay in the studio and don't yeah. run away. So we will be right oh, back. Oh,
1: I'm getting a phone call. I have to go.
2: On today's episode of the Cast, we're exploring type nine, the peacemaker. And nines can just really struggle sometimes to put forth effort to exert themselves and take initiative. If you want to grow in taking initiative in your relationships, one of the easiest places to start is with your neighbors. I mean, they are literally one door away. For practical steps in getting to know your neighbors, check out our other show, the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. And be sure to listen to episode number eight. Where the gospel meets neighboring. What if Jesus was serious about literally loving our neighbors? Right when I moved in, uh, me and my roommates, we made some brownies and cookies.
0: Like people would peek out the little blind, but not open their door. Do you mind if I
1: play with your son? And I'm like, oh.
2: I was tapping into some prior experience of hers that she responded to in not the most favorable of fashion. And I was shocked. Subscribe now wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Just search Love Thy Neighborhood. Or head over to our website at lovethyneighborhood.org slash podcast. Hey, welcome back to the cast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. I'm Sam Stevenson. And right now, we have a game. Your worst nightmare. Okay, so uh, so the game is your worst nightmare, and the way that it works is that I am going to reveal four options to you, and then you're going to make a list. You're going to put those in the order of how scared you are of those items, from greatest to least. Okay. And then here's how you get points. Sam, you're yeah. going to attempt to. I'm going to rank... make a
1: list, and then I'm going to pr- I'm going to make a separate. L- I'm going to make a Sam list and a Beth list. That's right. And yeah. if and for every
2: single one that you rank Beth in the correct <laughs> order then you get a point. If you get all four correct, you get five points. Beth, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to make a list for you, and then you're going to guess what you think Sam's list of fears is. And for every time that you get it correct, you get a point. You get all four correct, and you get five points. You all understand?
1: Okay. Yeah. I just want to say on the front end how already, no matter what the content of the choices are, the fact that you're making us put priorities in a list is already terrifying.
2: Oh, this game was custom made <laughs> to terrify the nines. Okay. So here we go. First set your options are success, household chores, cyber terrorism. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and falling through a hole in a frozen lake.
1: Wow these are so specific
2: all right sam do you have your list no
1: <laughs> okay so i'm ranking number one is my
2: is your greatest fear my greatest fear four, and then okay. four is your least your your smallest fear
1: so when you say cyber terrorism do you mean like is
2: it impacting me i'm personally? sorry i can't i can't <laughs> specify okay, okay. Uh, the the nature of the cyber terrorism event okay two three four beth um, you let me know when you're ready all right, I'm ready. Okay. So why don't you go first and say your list and then if for everyone that you match, Sam, let us know that let us know that you matched.
0: Okay. All right. My first would be cyber terrorism. Yay. Two is falling in a hole. Goth I went to three is success. Yep. And four is house chores. Yay,
1: I got them all right.
0: Sam
2: got five nice. points. Yeah. Excellent. Nicely done. Thank you. Now, did you get them right because you did the same? Did you just... No, is it mine, yours? Are so yeah, yours mine are different. So mine are different. Um, okay, so let's... So my
1: first one is falling through a hole in a frozen lake. Uh, yes. The second one is cyber terrorism. The third is success, and the fourth are chores. So our first I do the played. same.
0: I got them all right. <laughs> wow, we're so, <laughs> so we funny. understand each it's other. we can read each
2: other. It's ESP, guys. It's almost we like know. you can put each other. It, you put yourself in other people's shoes. Yeah. it's really remarkable. Okay, number two. Here are the four choices: going broke, exams, forgetting your spouse's birthday, and robots replacing the workforce. I wish I knew your thought process for choosing these
1: because these sound very manipulative and um intentionally to destroy the
2: nines. Yeah, mostly for my own entertainment. Yeah, cool. Okay, Sam, we'll have you go first this time. So, Sam, go ahead and list off uh, the order of your fears.
1: These are this one was hard. So, I ended up saying that number one fear is the robots taking over the world. Um the second one is forgetting my hypothetical spouse's birthday because I think if I were to envision myself I would have freaked like that would be terrifying. I'm not married, but Yeah, that would be close. Uh, Third, going broke, and fourth, exams. Beth, did you get any? I got the first one right.
0: Oh, yeah. This this one was more challenging, I think. All right. Okay, Beth, go ahead. All right. The first one is going broke. Second one is robots taking over. Third is exams, and fourth is birthday of the spouse. Oh, man.
1: I got them all wrong.
2: Wow. You guys went from the greatest matchup (laughs) ever to falling apart. Wow. Now I feel really guilty. Okay, right. well, here we go. Here we go. This one's for all the marbles. Here we go. With last round. Job interviews, cemeteries, having a baby, and scammed by a Nigerian prince. Scammed? Scammed by a Nigerian prince.
0: Like you tricked me?
2: All right. Uh, so, Beth, we're going to let you go first.
0: Okay, um, one is being scammed. Oh man! Two, okay, is having a baby because I'm 43. You got that one right. <laughs> my, kid, my youngest just graduated from high school, so the thought of starting over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the third is job interview, and the fourth is a cemetery. Oh man, I switched your. I got the two and three right, but I switched one and four
1: for some reason. I thought. That you'd be more scared of cemeteries than being scammed, but I think nines are
2: susceptible to going along with others. That, that is a
1: fear of like, oh man, now he has all my money.
2: Well, okay, so <laughs> so uh, so Sam has seven points. So Beth, you only need uh, you need one point to tie, two points to win. Oh no! So uh, so it's coming okay. down to the wire. All right, Sam, what you got?
1: Number one,
2: baby, I'm scared of having one of those.
1: Um, two cemeteries, three being scammed, and four job interview.
0: Okay, I got baby right and job right. Oh, so we tied? No, no she won. No,
2: so Beth McCord is our winner. Yay! She won your worst nightmare. <laughs> awesome. So, Beth, we ask uh, we ask all of our guests uh, five final questions.
1: What actress would play you in a movie if you could choose?
0: Um, I think I would probably say Sandra Bullock because she's a nine, but she can play a fierce eight. Oh, nice. <laughs> So I think I didn't she could really blend the two together to come up with my character. Nice.
2: Okay. If we had a phone that could call your 21 year old self, what would you say to them?
0: I would say Relax. There is no right and wrong in in the world like you're thinking that you're fine just the way you are and you have so much to offer. So you need to show up and keep moving forward.
1: Question three. How can friends and loved ones affirm someone with your personality type?
0: Nines are constantly wanting to know, are they okay? Have they done enough? You know, are you okay with them? Are you pleased with them? And so often they can't even see it themselves that I encourage people that know nines to give a lot of affirmation, not flattery. And they definitely don't need it over the top. Just simply the recognition that I see you or I see what you did. Um, and it's either great or it's awesome or you're awesome, something to that effect, because the nine's like, really it was, um, and because they have a hard time doing that for themselves, it really helps when someone else can clearly show them that what they're doing is great. So I would just say, keep giving encouragements and affirmations to build up the confidence of the nine, but the nine does have to do their own work. They can't rely on others to do that. That's good
2: okay uh how does the good news of God's forgiveness heal your type's deadly sin of sloth?
0: I think the good news you know like for me that really got me um, excited in my heart or passionate that couples with that is the fact that Christ knew I had a great need to be forgiven and that he was passionate enough about me to come and rescue me that he literally came. Like my presence really does matter to him and to be with him. And he did everything that was needed to accomplish that on my behalf. And so just that whole thing um, really lifts up my spirits. Like, wow, I was that important to him. Like he would go through all of that. Um, It really shows me, okay, my presence does matter. And I can't just sit idly by and not trust him and believe in him. So it, it helps me to get out of the stuck inertia part that nines have and moving forward and trusting him to to do the work in me. Yeah. Last question. What
1: scripture verse do you hold dear as it
0: relates to your personality type? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure like we all have like lots of them, but one that I really do like um, is Acts eighteen nine, where it talks about, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent. You know, as a nine, I quickly want to um, shut off the, the showing up valve or the talking valve <laughs> you know, just like, okay, I'm out. Um, but recognizing that I have a calling in my life and to trust God with it and to not be looking around for other people's approval, but just glorifying him is so important. So that verse really kind of spurs me on to doing the work he's called me to do. That's good.
2: Well, Beth, we have loved having you on as a guest today. And and we know that our listeners are really going to benefit from all the things that you've shared. And it was really great, too, just to hear, you know, I know that you get the opportunity to oftentimes uh, to teach all about the Enneagram and to talk about other personality types. But it's been really fascinating just to hear you talk about your own personality and your own life. And we just appreciate you sharing that with us.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a joy. Thank
2: you to our special guest today, Beth McCord. To take one of Beth's online courses or to sign up for private coaching, head over to her website at yourineagramcoach.com. Her Enneagram coaching has helped thousands of people and it can help you too. Also her Instagram account is one of the most useful daily tools that I've seen on the Enneagram. So head over to Instagram and add your Enneagram coach to your feed now. And the game that we played today, which we've been playing in a bunch of episodes, Your Worst Nightmare. It's actually a real game that you can buy and you can pick it up by heading over to Amazon or you can go over to PressmanToy.com and purchase it there.
1: Our show is a production of Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or year. Grow
2: in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Today's episode was produced by myself and Sam Stevenson. Engineering and editing by Janelle Dawkins with Justice Smith. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community.